Well, as we start a new calendar year, it's not a new ministry year, but a new calendar year. Uh, This is the time of resolutions and fresh starts and reviewing what went well, what didn't go so well, and looking forward to the future in our own lives, our own family lives, maybe our own work lives. It's also a good time in the church to review what is our mission and what is a mission anyway. A mission answers the question, why do we exist? So why do we exist as a church, South Shore Bible Church? What's the reason that we exist together as a church? Anyone want to take a guess? Maybe an educated guess, an informed guess? Uh, Why do we exist as a church? we don't know the answer to this question, and I know this is hard, this is not what we normally do, you don't normally get a back and forth. We're going to get a little more back and forth today, but uh, if we don't know why we exist, then we will, we will fall into sort of just going through the motions. We'll, we'll do church, but we won't be the church. And when that happens, then we start to cool right down and we lose our fervency, we lose our effectiveness in the world. So I'm sure that many of you have an idea of why we exist. What is our mission? You know, we don't really have to even think that hard about our mission. We don't get to create our mission. The head of the church, the king of the church, the Lord Jesus, he has given us our mission. So why don't you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. The Great Commission is our mission. When Jesus was ascending up into heaven, he said, I'm going to come back. But in the meantime, while you are waiting for me to come back, I have some things for you to do. I I want to give you a mission. This is what I want you to do and to be in the world. And just before I read this, what's been very helpful for me when thinking about the, the local church is to know that Jesus reigns as king from heaven right now. The day is coming when he, the king, will come back to earth. He's promised to do it. And he will reign from, as king from the earth. And he will reign from the earth forever. Like We're not escaping this world. The king is bringing heaven to earth, not giving us escape from this earth up into heaven. So that's the first paradigm that we must get our heads around. So, it, so if that's true, that the king is going to bring heaven and all of his kingdom to earth, but we're still here while he's there, The kingdom of God right now is in heaven. But it's not only in heaven. He reigns in and through the church. So the way we want to think about this is that we are an embassy. Every local church is an embassy of the kingdom of God. So we're aliens in this world. The kingdom is in heaven. But the kingdom of heaven is present in this world through the local church. We are, we are an embassy, and what is an embassy? But it is territory of a sovereign power where this isn't the native soil. And in an embassy, you find ambassadors. Ambassadors speak not on their own behalf, but on behalf of the king, the sovereign, or the parliament, or the president, or the congress, or whatever government system. So our government system is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords reigning from heaven. We are his ambassadors. We don't come up with our own message. So very much that's our mission, right? To be an embassy, be ambassadors 
with the ministry of reconciliation. Now let's take a, with that sort of just as general paradigms to contextualize what Jesus is going to say, let's look more specifically at what Jesus does say. And he gives us our mission. Matthew 28, last five verses, verses 16 to 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Just side note, Jesus is God. You can only worship God. Verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. Couple things quickly here. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is omnipotent, all powerful. I have all power, and with all my power, I can make you do whatever I want. This is what he does with all of his power. If you're into the Lord of the Rings, you know that when somebody's given all power, usually it corrupts them, not Christ. This is what he does with all of his power. Go, go out from here, and here it is. What's our mission? Number one, make disciples. Of who? Of all nations. Be indiscriminate. Not just Israelites, Jews, not just Canadians, First, Canadian, First Nations people. Uh, not just Europeans, not just Asians, not just Africans, all nations, make disciples of all nations indiscriminately, and number two, baptize them, these disciples, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There's Trinitarian theology, so do this, and in, in this mission is rooted in God as a trinity. Baptize them into this triune God, and teach them. Third thing. So go make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. How are we going to do this? This is a big task. Well, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. How is Christ with us? He's not here. He's in heaven. He's still in a human body. He's always going to be a man, but he sent his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit that is one with him and the Father. Him and the Father sent the Spirit to us to empower us to fulfill the mission. That's why we exist. Go, make disciples, baptize these disciples, and teach them to obey. That's why we exist. How are we doing? Nothing worse than, I forget what book it was in, but if you're a shoe factory and after 20 years you've made one pair of shoes, you're not a very good shoe factory. If this is your mission, if we're not making disciples, we're not a very good church. Let's pray. God, help us in this mission. Uh, we, we cling to this promise that you are with us always to the end of the age by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we, we need more of you. I mean, you, you've given us all of you, but, but we quench you. We, we are distracted. We, we are uh, bothered with other things. God, help us to clear the clutter out of our lives. 
so that we can be an effective embassy for the kingdom of God, for King Jesus here on earth until he comes to reign in justice and righteousness. Help us, I pray. Amen. Now, I need a couple of volunteers. I'm going to tell you what you're volunteering for before you put your hand up. We're going to split right down here between Hannah and Tom. So, yeah, I know, it's nice you're together again. Uh, welcome, by the way, to Canada, both of you. It's good to have you here, but you're separated for this game, okay? So right there, right down the middle, we need one person from this side and one person from that side, and you're going to have whiteboards, and you're going to work with your team, and I'm going to ask you questions, and whoever's up here is going to have a marker. You're going to write the answer on here, and I've got chocolate as a reward. So the questions are going to have to do with this question, how are we going to fulfill our mission? So you get to work as a team, but I need somebody up front. So somebody from this side. Uh, let's see who are the willing. It might be you, Seth, but, but let's see if there's anyone else willing. And Levi. If may, Levi, why don't you sit over there, and then the, both teams have got a willing participant. All right, Seth, come on up. Anyone from this side? Come on up, all the way up here. Grab one of those uh, white erase markers. Okay, Levi, you represent this side. Come on up. Now you have to help these two young men, okay? I'm going to ask them a question, and you're going to have a chance. Don't, don't show you know, your comp competition the answer. Working together, and, and what we want to do is the question, these all, all these questions that we're going to go through here are to help us to figure out how are we going to fulfill our mission? How are we going to fulfill the great commission that Jesus has given to us? So here's question number one. Are you guys ready for it? Work with your teams. We have a five-fold ministry structure here. So that is we have five categories of ministry. What are our five categories of ministry in this structure? So you can go and walk among your people. You've got 15 seconds. Go. <laughs> five categories of ministry. Five categories of ministry. Ten seconds. That was the longest five seconds ever. All right. Five, four, Three, two, oh, you're getting elder help there. One. <laughs> All right, come on back, Levi. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. You're the last up here, so let's get your answers first. Uh, give us one, one. Missions, good. Actually, give us two, because I only have enough chocolates for one for every two. Wor yeah, worship and missions, good. There's one for you. All right, give me two different ones. Uh, fellowship and food. Fellowship and food. Yeah, breaking bread. That's close enough. Good. Food. Oh. Come on, let's keep this straight. Okay, now what's the one that we're missing? Teaching, right? Teaching. I'll get that one because I'm the teacher. Good. 
<laughs> Thank you, guys. All right, question number two. Right, right, good thing we have you because I didn't bring any, uh, anything to wipe that off, but you're young. You can use your fingers. Just get... <laughs> yeah, just j more quickly, like this, you know, like... <laughs> yeah, just... Okay, ready? Question number two. We, we have taken this five-fold structure from the first four chapters of the book of Acts. Because in the book of Acts, the first four chapters are idyllic. They, they're, they're just a perfect picture of what the church ought to be. Uh, there probably was sin, but it's not recorded until Acts 5. Okay, now, so our five categories of ministry, their missions, teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and worship, are taken from these first four chapters. Now, there's two verses in particular that give us these five categories of ministry. Go out and find what those references are and come back. It's in the books of Acts, or the book of Acts, somewhere. All right, five seconds. Five, four. Get everyone involved there, Seth. I, three, two. All right, come on back. Keeping with our principle of the last shall be first, give us one. Uh, Acts 2.42. Very good. And do we know what that says? Anybody? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. So there you get four. You got four out of our five. So there's, there, you got to get a different color. There you go. Ah. Okay, what's the other one? Acts 1.8. And what does Acts 1.8 say? <laughs> you'll be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and you'll go out from here, go out from Jerusalem to all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So that's missions. Good. Okay, question number three. Our missions in our breaking bread categories only have one ministry team. So if you're breaking bread ministry... That's the ministry, hospitality. If you're in the missions category, that's our ministry, missions. But we have four ministries in our teaching category. What are our four ministries that are in our teaching category? Go, go, go. You got 15 seconds. Somebody else, Seth. Get everybody involved. Four categories in teaching. Right on. Seth, look at this. We're already up here. <laughs> All right, good job. Okay, four categories. Give me two. Uh, women and youth. Women and youth, yes. We teach women and we teach youth. What about you? Men. Men and? Women. Women and? Children. Children, right. So, so we, teach, we teach within our teaching ministries. We have uh, ministries devoted to men. Men's discipleship, women's discipleship, youth discipleship, and children's discipleship. Okay, next question. We have four ministry in our fellowship category of ministry. Four ministries. What are our four fellowship ministries? Go. Four fellowship ministries. Fellowship, just let me define it for you. Fellowship is common life. It's not socializing. That's breaking bread. It's pooling our resources together. 
All right, come on back. All right, all right. Uh, Seth, you go first. Two. Give me two. Snowmobiling? <laughs> nope. <laughs> you better go. You better help him out. Finance is one, right, because we, we fellowship by sharing our money. Give me one. Money? Money, right, yeah. Care, care right. We, we care for one another. We don't want anyone to be in, in need. Another one? What's that? Hospitality is different. We have... This building, which is our facility ministry. I, I know you, you knew that. I'll give you one. <laughs> and our last one. No. It helps with our communication. Administration. Common life together. Administration. Admi yes, administration. <laughs> Good. So we have four. We've got facility, the building that we're in. We, we have to pool our resources to be in this place, right? Finances, we, we pool our money together for common goals. We've got uh, care ministries that we help one another out, and our administration helps us to, to utilize our human capital together. Last question. So this is for, for this whole bag. Yeah, this whole bag. You ready for this? So whoever gets you know, the most wins. Here we go. Uh, there are three ministries in our worship category. What are they? You can't ask somebody that is leading worship. Go. Worship category. <laughs> Extra points for the right words. Can't just say snowmobiling and hope for the best. All right, come on back. Come on back. All right. Okay, so... Uh, you were, la you were last here, so I'm going to reward you. And it's kind of backwards logic. What do you got? Give me two. AV and music. AV and music. Good. One, what's the other one? Prayer and lighting. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Sure. So what we have is actually we have music. So these are all worship, but we have music, and then we have technology. We had a, a name change. It's not AV anymore. It's technology. So it's all of anything that's technological falls under our technology umbrella, which includes AV, and Sunday administration. So Sunday administration looks after the greeters, for example, and getting the communion elements on, on here or setting up the, the sanctuary if we need it moved around or whatever. Let's give a round of applause for our two helpers. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. Well, that's why you got the bag. All right, you're done. Thank you very much. So let's take a look at the org chart. Uh, it's, really, for, it's really important as a church that this just is just known. We just, you can visualize this is our structure. So the next slide, our eight, our, uh, did we have the volunteer maybe answering questions? There we go. So, so the head of the church is the king, Jesus. So he's in charge. He's got all authority, and he, he's, 
delegated to us. So the under shepherds are the elders. And then if you go from, from left to right, this is just in order it comes in the Bible, you've got our missions, the, uh, ministry structure, then we have our teaching ministries, then our fellowship ministries, then our breaking bread ministries, and our worship ministries. So just let that sort of burn into your mind. Because it's really important that you know how we're structured. And where we're going to get to in, in a few minutes is, and maybe I'll just ask you now, and then I'll ask you again at the end, do you see where you fit on this structure? Do you have a place where you are plugged in? Maybe, maybe not. If you're plugged into more than two places, you're, you're too plugged in. If you have less than one, then you're not plugged in enough. Okay, next question uh, that I want us to look at is who's going to implement this five-fold ministry structure? You see, this structure is how we are going to fulfill the Great Commission. It's by doing these five categories of ministry together that we are going to go out into the world, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey all that Christ has commanded. It all falls into those five categories of ministry. Well, who's going to do this? To answer that, flip your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Many, many, many churches operate either explicitly, and they're, they're not ashamed of it, but this is just the way it is, or implicitly, they wouldn't say this in their documentation, but this is how it happens. They pay ministers to do the ministry. Or they appoint leaders to do the ministry. That's how many churches operate. And so we have a pay-for-ministry model in North America. We're going to hire someone to do ministry. The problem with that model, although it's probably the most common model, is it's not biblical. You actually... Don't, I'm, I'm paid to be the minister here, the pastor, and you don't pay me to do ministry. That might come as a shock to you. You don't pay me to do ministry. What do you pay me to do? The Bible only gives really one place where it says you should pay money to somebody within this, this ministry structure. You pay the person who's teaching you so that you liberate him to study. So you're actually paying me to study so that I can teach. You're not paying me to do ministry. That might come as a shock even to us, but that's how it's operating. I'm very fortunate that that's how it works here, uh, and there seems to be a general understanding that I derive a paycheck because of the ministry of the Word, not to keep this whole ministry structure afloat. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 12. And he, that is Christ, the head of the church, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Do you see who does the ministry? Who does the work of the ministry? It's not the apostles, it's not the prophets, it's not the evangelists, it's not even the shepherds and teachers. 
it's the saints, the membership. The members do the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, in this list, the, the, the uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, you have four different offices there. And they're all leadership offices. So apostles, that's that first generation that knew Jesus and had to establish the church. There are no apostles today. Second are the prophets. Those were the people who God would speak spontaneously through in the local church because they didn't yet have the New Testament. We have the New Testament. We don't have prophets in that sense today. So those are gone. Evangelists, those are your missionaries who go out and and pioneer new works. We're all supposed to do evangelism, that is sharing our faith, but here is this office of evangelism, missionary, go out into a new unreached people group, plan a church, establish the fourth category, shepherds and teachers. Shepherds and teachers is one, one office in the church. Those are your elders, we call them elders. They're shepherds, what is a shepherd? A shepherd is a teacher, primarily. So in, in, at South Shore, we have just this fourth leadership category, shepherds and teachers. Shepherds and teachers, those are the elders. That's me, Glenn, and Blair. We fulfill that function. We are the shepherds and teachers of this local church. What is our job according to the Bible? What does it mean to be a shepherd teacher? Is it that we are to do all of the work of the ministry? No. Our primary mandate, according to Scripture, through the teaching of His Word, is to equip you, the saints, to do the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So at South Shore, who should be doing most of the work of the ministry? Not the elders, but the members. You have to be a member to be an elder. Now, obviously, eldering is work. It's hard work. But the work that we do is the equipping of you to do everything else. It's really important. So, how do we elders equip you for the work of the ministry? Well, the first thing that we did was we went to the Scriptures to come up with our ministry model that would enable us to fulfill our mission. So as elders, we have to make sure that we're fulfilling our mission to go out, make disciples, baptize disciples, and teach disciples to obey Christ. How are we going to do that? Well, we searched the scriptures, and we came up with our five-fold ministry structure. Well, if we're doing missions, if we're teaching the word of God, if we're helping us to, to fellowship, that is, pool our resources and care for one another, if we're eating together, and if we're worshiping together, then we will fulfill the mission that Jesus has given to us. So the first thing that we did as elders was to establish how we were going to fulfill our mission. Give this thing some structure, The second thing that we do to equip you, the saints, for the work of the ministry is we appoint and then we equip particular members to manage particular ministries. So those are our stewards. We appoint stewards and we delegate. So we have governing authority. Elders have governing authority. That is, we set the direction of the church, but we delegate managerial authority to stewards and we say this is what we want you to do we want to equip you and empower you to bring a team around you to do this work of the ministry 
And once we do that, we try really hard not to micromanage so that we don't have to make all of the decisions. We set the parameters, we set the boundaries, we set up the structure, then we appoint people, those people create or assemble teams, and then you do the work of the ministry only coming to us if you want to step out of bounds. You know, I know that these were the parameters that you gave, but we would like to go here. We can't go there unless those who have governing authority uh, tell us that we can go there. But within the boundaries, you are free to work, to do the work of the ministry. So the first group is the elders. The second group, as I've talked about, are the stewards. Stewards help the elders to mobilize the members to do the work of the ministry. Every steward, you might call them deacons, deacons just means a servant, exercise managerial authority over ministry teams within the boundaries delegated by the elders. Now, this is really important. When we appoint a steward, we are not asking that man or woman to do the work of the ministry of that ministry. We are asking the steward to help us equip the saints for the work of the ministry by delegating tasks to a team that you assemble around you. So just as the elders shouldn't be doing all of the work of the ministry, the stewards should not be doing all of the work within their ministry. And in fact, the more they can give away, the better, because that's, that's equipping, that's empowering, that's delegation, that's bringing all of the members in on doing the work of the ministry. So if you're a steward and you find that you're still doing most of the work in your ministry, it's time to build on the success that you've enjoyed so far and begin to draw more people in and give as much of your ministry away as you can to others. There's a couple of reasons for this. One, if the pastor does all the work or the elders do all the work or the stewards do all of the work, then we're taking up all the oxygen in the church and we are limiting the opportunities for people to glorify Christ by using their gifts. So this is not, I know how it is. I want to be a servant leader. So I want to be seen stacking chairs after a potluck because I am the sort of face of the church, right, as the pastor. And I want everyone to know that, that as the pastor, I'm not above stacking chairs. But what I really should be doing is equipping stewards to find a team of people to set up and take down that event so that they can use their gifts. That, that's good for them. It's also good for me so that I can be available to talk about some spiritual issue that someone is going through. So when you see me in the lobby at, at a potluck talking to somebody and you're in here stacking chairs, don't, don't begrudge me, but recognize that the system is working. I'm eldering and you're doing the work of the ministry as we have set it up. Really important. So just as I have to be disciplined to not just swoop in and do all of the work that needs to be done, but allow you to do it, so the elders need to do that and so the stewards need to do that. Second reason for that is, so the first reason is to give you all an opportunity to serve and use your gifts. The second reason that's important is we will not grow if a small group of people does all the work. It will stunt our growth. The more ministry we give away, the more we will grow. It's like a vacuum. It'll suck people in. And people will be glad to be here to use their gifts. 
And it's how we disciple them, right? Discipleship's not cookie cutter. There's certain things we all need to know, but someone is discipled as they use the gifts that God has given them. That's discipleship. And we as disciples all look a little bit different. So ministry teams are composed of members so that each and every member makes a contribution to the life and ministry of the church. Brings me to my third point on this. If you are a a, a regular attendee and you're not a member, you're undermining the system, the structure. You need to become a member because we're trying to equip the membership to do the work of the ministry. So it's time, if you've been here for a number of months, to begin thinking about membership so that you can say, yes, this is my church. I submit to the, to the governing authority of the elders and I want to plug into the ministry, the work. I want to do the work. So I know we have some non-members doing some ministry. It's not ideal. We will give some things away, but ultimately what we want is people to say, this is my church. I'm a part of it. I want to make, be a contributing member under the oversight of the elders working on a ministry team. So that's who does this. Now, if this all works properly, we all have something to do, and we're all growing. And we are, we are fulfilling the mission. Next question, who are our elders and our stewards? I want to go through this fairly quickly. Our elders, our elders, and there's going to be beautiful pictures of us up there. Uh, we have three elders, myself, Glenn, and Blair. And you'll notice that we don't make a distinction between the pastor and the elders. There's no biblical distinction. I collect a paycheck because you pay me to study, as I said. You don't pay them to study, but they do study on their own. Together, we form the council of elders, and we we are a plurality of elders. We make decisions together, and it's delegated to me to be the primary teacher of this church. That's why you pay me. So even my eldering, you don't pay me to elder because you're not paying them to elder. So I'm a volunteer of the church, just as you are. Whenever I'm at an elders meeting, that's volunteer work. Whenever I'm out eldering, uh, overseeing, going through church discipline, whatever, whatever I'm doing that is common to all of us, that's volunteer for me. You pay me to study and to teach. Just make that distinction. So... We are a council of elders. We do not have a council of stewards because there's only one governing board in this church. That's the elders. The stewards are servants who have managerial authority given to them by the council of elders. Okay? So who are our stewards? Uh, Our missions steward is Duncan. Uh, So I am the elder, the liaison between the missions ministry and the elders. And Duncan is our steward. Who are our teaching stewards? Our teaching stewards, well, I'm the preaching steward, so to speak. I'm also the steward of men's discipleship and women's discipleship. And that's right in our documentation. Whoever the, the, the lead pastor of this church is, so if I die and you hire someone else, then whoever comes into that position automatically is the steward of men's and women's discipleship. We also have Rob and Twyla Stevenson, who are the stewards of our youth, and Holly is the steward of our children, who are our fellowship stewards. Blair is the liaison elder between our fellowship stewards and the Council of Elders, and our financial steward is Lyndon, our facility steward is Scott, our administration steward is Janet, and our care steward is Wayne. 
Who is our breaking bread steward? Uh, it's Shelly. So she helps us with hospitality issues, helping us to eat together, basically. Whenever we eat together, that's going through our hospitality team. And Blair is our liaison between breaking bread ministries and the elders. And then finally, our last category is who are our prayer stewards, or our worship stewards. Uh, Glenn is the elder liaison between our worship stewards and the elders team. Our music steward is Blair Hansen. Our technology steward is Peter. And our Sunday administration steward is Jenny. So we look a little bit like the Brady Bunch, plus eight or seven. But this, these are the, the, the members of this church who are helping to equip the church to do the work of the ministry. I want to just end our time with some things for us to consider in the year ahead. And then maybe we'll take a couple of questions. I want to make sure that this is clear to you. A couple of things that, that uh, the elders have identified that we want to consider in the, in the year ahead. So we've established a structure. We've filled the structure. The structure is working very, very well. Now it's time for us to take the next step. So here's some things for us to consider. Number one, are there some potential elders that we can train so that they might join the Council of Elders? We need to begin really thinking. It's not like we haven't started thinking about this, but really intentionally thinking through, and this is for, for the elders to do, but if there's someone who comes to mind, just mention it to us. It's not a guarantee that we'll, we'll agree with you. But we need to begin adding to our elders team. Secondly, if you're a steward, do you have a team around you? It's time to take that next step. You've been doing a lot of really excellent work, but maybe there's a couple of opportunities in the months ahead to add, team, add members into your team. So if you're a member and you're not on a team, maybe you want to approach one of those stewards and say, hey, I'd like to serve in this capacity. Uh, secondly, with, as far as stewards are concerned, uh, stewards, are you planning to serve the next ministry year, starting in September? If not, now is the time to begin to identify who might replace you and to begin to train them. And you don't get to actually choose who it is, but what we would really like is for you to bring a name or two to the elders and say, you know, I think this is my last half a year to serve in this capacity. I think that so-and-so would, would do a really great job and then we'll prayerfully consider it and say yes or no. And or at the very least, we'll help you to find somebody who could replace you. But now's the time. So really don't want to find out in June that you're done. Would like to know now that you're thinking that you're winding this up in the next half a year. So we flip over in September. That's every year. You have one-year terms. Now to the members, thinking ahead, in what ways do you want to plug in to this ministry structure in the year ahead? So you want to ask yourself this question, are you plugged in? Do you see yourself in the structure anywhere? Some of you need to unplug so that you give opportunities for, for other people to plug in. So if you have more than two ministries, boil it down to two. Pick a major ministry and then maybe a secondary ministry and that's it. Why? It's not that we don't value all that you're doing. We love that you're servant-hearted, but we want to plug everybody in. So if you step back, as I said, that creates a vacuum, we'll go and find somebody to plug that hole. So 
What are your two top ministries that you want to do? We want everyone to serve where they desire to serve. So you may be doing something that you don't love. Well, maybe now is the time to go to your steward and say, I don't really love doing this. Don't say that it's because of their stewarding, but uh, <laughs> say, you know, I wasn't made to do this. I think that I would be better served over here. Could you help me facilitate this transition? So we really want everyone serving where, where you desire to serve, so that it's a joy. We don't want anyone being burnt out. Um, is there something, this is another thing we want you to consider, is there something where you would love to serve but you feel unqualified? What kind of training do you need to do the thing that you would really love to do? So your steward can help with that, but also the elders. That's why we're here, to help train you, to plug you in, to equip you, to delegate uh, work to you. If you're an attendee, I already talked about this, it's time to start thinking about membership. Gotta think about membership. If, you're, if, if this is your church, we want you to be a viable part of what we're doing here. Start thinking about membership. Uh, we're trying to raise the bar on membership. We're trying to give you um, more reason, more meaningful aspects to membership so it's not just token. Uh, we really want our members having a say, being a part of the conversation, doing the work of the ministry and so on. So please, if you're attending here and you're not a member, let's start talking about membership. Lastly, I want to end with an opportunity for each of us to reflect our involvement in South Shore in 2018 and to think about our goals for 2019. We are a great little church. I don't say little in a, in a disparaging way. I think it, it's just a fact. We're just a little church. But we're a wonderful church. We're an active church. And so... As we reflect on this, I want us to think about how can we build on the momentum that has been accumulating over the last calendar year. But I also want us to ask the question, are there discipleship opportunities that we did not avail ourselves of in 2018 that we want to be a little more uh, careful to carve out our personal calendars so that we can make it when discipleship opportunities are on the calendar? And perhaps for some, it'll be, you know, I made it to two of the five discipleship sessions in that particular unit. I would like to just maybe get to at least four of five. Uh, so we don't do, we don't have a scattershot approach where we just do a bunch of programming and you get to sort of pick what you want out of a lot. We're very specific about what we offer. We try to keep it down to five to six weeks at a time. And what we are actually looking for is some personal sacrifice on the part of the membership to make use of the discipleship opportunities that we are putting forward. And I'll tell you, the ministry of presence, whether it's a Sunday morning or it's a prayer meeting or it's a members meeting or it's a discipleship opportunity, there's nothing more demotivating for the group of people who show up than all the people that didn't show up. It just, it's just hard to keep the momentum going and, you know, as you know with my preaching, there, is, there are very few standalone sermons. So if you miss a handful in the series, you're not really going to get the most out of the ones that you're here for. So at the very least, go back and catch up what you've missed. And I, I think that I, I'm right to expect that of us because think of your favorite television show. 
if you miss an episode, nobody has to tell you that you ought to go back and catch up. Same with the church, more so. If you miss a sermon, catch up. If you miss a discipleship opportunity, catch up. Check out our website. Everything that we've done, even in discipleship groups, is on the website. So you can catch up. Um, Have you sat down with your personal family calendar and the church calendar and synced the two? Said, you know, okay, the elders have put out everything they want to do for the whole ministry year. So you have actually two, five, six, eight, ten, twelve months to book that off. I'll tell you, we decided to give Sailor ballet lessons for Christmas. I was in Huntsville this weekend, and I drove home from Huntsville to ballet lessons and back to Huntsville yesterday. Why? Well, because you would do the same thing for ballet. Would you do that (laughs) for the church? Right? So I'm trying to... I want you to get this from the right place. Like This is coming from a pastor's heart. You've hired me to teach you the Bible. Our, our job as elders is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. If we want to be a thriving church, we've got to fulfill our mission. In order to fulfill our mission, we need participation. Whatever our involvement has been in the past, do not see this as any sort of condemnation. But rather, let us all in our own ways work toward building on what we've contributed in the past so that we can thrive in the year ahead. And I believe God will honor our devotion to him through this local church. And God has great things in store for us. This, his local embassy in Barrie. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this church. I love this church, and I pray that you would help us in the year ahead to give more of ourselves to you by giving more of ourselves to the church. And for some, Lord, that means actually doing less so that there's opportunity for others to do more. Help us to know where we fall and to make a commitment to you and to this church. And God, I pray that you would build your house here. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.